Creating Cyberspace, and welcome to episode 223 of the Double Density Podcast with your host, Brian Angelo. Double Density is your home to Tick Tales and Paranormal Apartments. Now, first things first, Angelo, this is take two of the intro of the podcast because for some reason my headphones have decided to give out. So I switched to a new pair that I always keep on standby. And here we are. I can actually hear you conversating with me, which was the bigger issue um, of the first five minutes of our first attempt. Yeah, luckily we were only five minutes in. So we're going to keep talking about how we messed up our first take of the episode so this, we'll just do five minutes of filler the, yeah this is the first time this has ever happened i think where you have to go back to the beginning of an episode although it's really not that bad no i can't think minutes. of another episode where we had to totally rewind um we're not really like go off trail kind of people in a bad kind of way yeah so it's okay all right angela my first question uh, for you for the episode is do you have a favorite rapper well i've had time to think about this but i still don't have a favorite rapper because hip-hop is not in my wheelhouse in terms of music, I've tried listening to hip-hop. You sent, you sent me a few suggestions. Over the years, I've tried different things like uh, Kanye West and Drake. And I did, I do, I guess, still really like the Outkast album that everybody else bought because of Hey Ya and stuff like that. And I, I did like some of the music on that. It's just not my thing. But there's nothing wrong with it. No, I agree. Uh, so you just mentioned Drake. Let's talk about Drake. So I wanted to share some news with you, and I kind of wanted to pick your brain about it. So a um, so Friday night, so we're recording here on April 16th, and on Friday night, April 14th, Drake posted a series of Instagram stories that he was really mad about something. And that something is the fact that someone used an AI platform in order to create Drake rapping along to a track that he didn't rap on. So he um, – uh, his version, quote-unquote, of Ice Spice's Bunch um, had been circulating around online for a couple of days. And, of course, he didn't have anything to do with that, and he was quite mad. Um, so someone had used an AI platform uh, in order to do that. And that got me thinking about, you know, all the different ways in which these platforms collect information, right? So the more public you are, be it a singer, a rapper, a podcaster, a newscaster, any kind of person who speaks a lot, um, these tools have a lot to work from, like a large database of of syllables, you know, uh, consonants, vowels, et cetera, to work from in order to construct, you know, a full verse of someone, right? And it's and I listen to the song and it's it's pretty legitimate. It's not hundred percent there, but it's definitely close enough that it's it's a little worrisome. So that got me thinking about all of the the kind of um future, like the future of celebrity, the future of the creative arts. Like what does that look like uh, ten to twenty years down the line, right? Are they gonna start reviving artists that have passed away, for example, will we talked about Elvis last week. Will there be a new Elvis album all generated by AI based on his previous recordings? If they got enough acapella stems, I feel like they could. And I'm sure there's plenty. Yeah. Because first it was the 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 holograms, right? Remember those? Dio, Tupac, etc. Yeah. Not my thing. Not my those, thing. Uh, those, those holograms are... We talked at length about the Dio one a few years ago, and it was just weird. It was weird, but now this is this could create the chance for... Uh, new Dio songs, for example, right? If they got, if uh, someone got a hold of all the the different kinds of stems and was able to to pull that information out, or if AI got good enough to sort of discern vocals from instruments, which could be a possibility too. Um, so you know, Ice Spice and Drake have a bit of a history. So he supported her early on. There was kind of a falling out. She had mentioned that he stopped following her on Instagram for whatever reason, and then he uh, refollowed her afterwards. Um, so she's having a moment right now, Angelo, um, because she currently. Um, has a charting single with uh, Pink Panthers called Boys Lair Part 2. And anyone who's been on social media has probably heard a snippet of that song. So clearly, Angelo, you have not. I have not. What does 
Ice Spice think about all this? Has she made a comment on this? She has not heard Drake's take. Okay. It's obviously a weird situation to be in, though. Well, it's frustrating for the artist because it's their voice being used in a situation where they'll want it used. And if someone's making money off of this one way or another, it is basically identity theft almost, not really, but in a way. And I feel... I understand why Drake's frustrated by this. So let's talk about something interesting that you probably don't know about, and that is the the black market. <laughs> There's of, a lot I don't know about. I know, but the black market of leaks in the rap game, right? So the idea here is that there may be someone who works at a studio and is offering unfinished songs or unreleased songs by popular artists for price tags, usually in the tens of thousands. Um, or, you know, depending on the stature, it starts at thousands, but can go tens of thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, depending on the notoriety of the song, right? So there's this idea here that there is, you know, a, a, a low-paid studio engineer, let's say, right, who has access, who's been in sessions with XYZ rapper, like, let's say, like, right now, like, you know, like, for example, like a Drake, right, and has some unreleased Drake that he's willing to sell, they're willing to sell for a certain amount of money. Is this something that happens in all genre music, though? I'd say more so with rap music because of the fact that, like, um, um, there tends to be different producers per song like obviously some projects it's it's you know one rapper or group and one producer or a select number of producers there's a lot of different projects or singles that come out from different producers right so there's more Mm -hmm. cross-pollination there and there's more chance of Mm -hmm. something coming out okay that that was my thought exactly there's more chance to leak something there for example like you won't get a Billie Eilish track leaking because unless your brother decides to leak it (laughs) (laughs) or unless she starts working with outside producers right yeah that would be a weird family dynamic after. What? So if, Sorry, if you Phineas, lead your I'm leaving music. you for a different for uh, for a different producer. It could. Have, I mean, she has. I mean, at one yeah. point, yeah, they're gonna yeah, they're yeah. probably gonna diverge because they each want to do their own thing and have a different thing happening. But yeah, it's not something that seems to be on my radar. Music leaks out there. It's not not something I really ever look for. But the way I consume music these days is probably different than it was twenty something years ago when I was really really into following specific bands. You'd wait with bated breath for the next album. I well, wonder. I know, I know though, you're a big Metallica fan. You listen to seventy two seasons like six thousand times. I'm. I've never been a huge Metallica fan. Angela, no, listen to the album, and I swear to God, it's the same BPM for almost the entire album, and it's very confusing. There's going to be a lot of upset. Metallica fans out there. I mean, to be a Metallica fan is to hate yourself. Like that's that's a bit of a meme that goes around. Like, no one hates Metallica worse than Metallica fans is like a thing you'll see often posted in in metal adjacent circles. Have they rebuilt the bridge they burned with the whole Napster yeah. thing? Yeah, I think so. Okay, I think they definitely have. Also, people just don't care anymore, right? With streaming, give people an opportunity to buy something for a fair price, they will pay for it, or even stream through a third party vendor, right? <laughs> yeah which is kind of like the way in which these stream platforms have sort of strong-armed the the industry but coming back to the idea here is that like it, the weird thing about ai platforms is it's kind of d- gonna destroy the ecosystem of studio leaks right or of like buying songs on the black market a little bit because you can't know whether or not it is credible and true it'll be like ufo pictures sort of but way worse um so yeah let me ask you angela like you know how do you protect intellectual property when it's like uh, sort of like um, I feel like, like we're at a moment here where Pandora's box is like opening up, right? We're not quite sure which way all of this is going to go. It's still new and largely untested waters. We're not quite sure who or what is going to take advantage of who or what facet in order to um, continue to make themselves either more famous or if this is going to hurt 
um, someone's credibility. And like, uh, you know, I don't want to be a doomsayer, but like, at what point will something like this create a huge problem wherein someone could potentially lose their life, for example? And I don't like, you know, going down that path necessarily because I want to believe that people will use this tool properly. But it's already been the case that is not the the thing that's happening necessarily all of the time either, right? So, like, what are the implications? How do we, um sort of go towards a more honest experience on the internet or with, you know, fame and culture. Well, with every advance in technology, the music industry has always been, and we'll keep it with the music industry because every advanced technology always frightens all kinds of industries, right? But let's, let's stick to music. When tapes came out, weren't they really scared that everybody was going to just copy tapes, right? Then they were worried about the Walkman and all that stuff. And then, Burning CDs was a huge frightening thing. Then it was ripping CDs and people sharing music that way. Then the big bogey came out of Napster and now streaming as things that certain musicians took a long time to get on board with, right? But all, all the things you're talking about there are containers. It's not the content itself. Well, th- that's it. And I wonder if the way we're looking at this and how this is going to be the big death knell to music uh, – Maybe we don't have the actual foresight to see how this will affect it, but not ultimately ruin it. Because where we're standing now, it does seem to be something that can ruin an artist's livelihood. Or even the I don't know about cause. Yeah, well, well I, I mean, mean like causing... take a rap beef, right? Like a rap beef for a song that never got um, said by rapper A, right? And rapper B decides to retaliate. That's true. Like, that I'm, I'm just, you know, and I hate melodic rap like that, but that is, you know, you don't hear a lot of. I mean, you don't go around Christian rock circles, you should see what happens there. But that's true. But like, you know, um, there could be an issue where, you know, artist A goes after artist B or vice versa and then there's a misunderstanding. And suddenly, like, things that never got said um, create moments um, that you cannot change as in, like, you decide to end someone else's life, right? Put that way, it can be really frightening and there's going to have to be things in place to understand who did what and who said what and if it was actually them. But then that kind of flips over because, like, we've talked about this before, but the, the channels by which we are consuming media are splintering still, right? There are a, are a bevy of different social media networks that uh, different artists use to different strengths. Some people still like to stay on Twitter, which is weird, and I'm one of those people. But that's fine, but other people love to use Instagram or TikTok or whatever, right? So there's more of a having to dig around. There's less of a modern culture there of uh, where you're getting information and news. Is TikTok music still a thing? Uh, oh, are yeah. a lot of artists oh, yeah. still using TikTok oh, yeah. despite it starting to get banned everywhere? <laughs> I mean, slowly but surely, state by state, yes. Um, I think Montana banned TikTok this week? Hold on. Mom. Yes, Montana is planning to ban it or they've, they've actually gone through with it. Yeah, they're Here the first Canada, state to ban TikTok. And, and can, well, uh, you know, in Canada, you can't be government official with TikTok on your phone or your official government phone. How does a state ban TikTok, though? So let's say somebody who lives out of state drives into Montana how how can Montana prevent them from actually having TikTok on their phone? Is there a way that works? I guess it involves um, not necessarily the app itself, but the way in which the app reaches the internet. Okay, right? so, so it's as more soon of as you're a, on a cell tower, yeah, or cell towers an ISP. or ISPs. Yeah, I think that's more so what the plan is going forward. That's getting into dystopian control. Oh, and there's territory. a lot of people who have a lot of problems with that too. About this may not be the right way of dealing with, you know, Byte Dance's um, stranglehold on Generation Z. Not at all, actually. 
but yeah, like, you know, like, how do you, like, coming back to the question, like, how do you defend your IP against an entire world that can just monetize your IP, right? Like, it's just, it's very dystopian. And I don't know, like, I want to hear some good use cases apart from, like, you're saying, like, a new Elvis song, right? Like, I don't, yeah. I can't see that happening necessarily, but I'm kind of curious to know. Um, I feel like this is going to be the music industry's biggest test. Well, it's, it's a crisis of conscience, really. Like, like we were talking before, it's all these, you know, issues of container house, issues of content. Because with the other ones, they just had to kind of pivot. Yeah. And how do you how do you pivot apart from like getting an army of lawyers to chase people down all day long? That's it. Now your actual voice is being stolen. You don't you're not even doing any recordings that are being stolen, which was the case with Napster and things like that. Now you have no control over this. If somebody gets enough sampling of your voice, they're gonna do whatever they want with it. Yeah, absolutely, right? And they could just decide to, like I said, like to put out, you know, racist, homophobic, transphobic any kind of, of really bad sort of vibes out there uh, on your behalf and there's nothing that you can do apart from posting and saying it's not you. You can, yeah. And who will believe who now at this point? Well, the thing is like you want to believe that the official artists and their official accounts to say things, but they can't spend their days <laughs> disproving that they weren't a part of all these different songs that they never were a part of either, right? It's kind of, it's, it's super messy and I'm kind of curious to know um, whether it's legislation, which I, I don't know how that would go. Like, I'm not quite sure how that would play out necessarily because a lot of these, um, you know, if you're using a VPN, for example, like you can claim that you're uploading to SoundCloud via somewhere else. Well, you heard it here first. Double density. The music industry is doomed. You joke, but I, I don't know, especially for popular artists who have a lot of their vocals. I'm kind of curious, though, if you have thought about this the way I have thought about this. Double underscore density over on Twitter. Double density podcast gmail.com. Where else can people... Hit us up, Angelo, because I know you're dying to talk about this. Well, on doubledensity.net, there's the form. You can fill out the form and let us know how we're doomsayers here, just like the people that were worried about the tapes, right? People worried about tapes in the 80s. People worried about Walkmans and kids walking out into traffic and getting hit by cars. I don't think we're like, you know, we're not Dr. Doomsday here. We're not Ed Dames. Like, we're kind of like unwitting like grim realization doomsayers not like gleeful excited doomsayers i the thing is is so what about instrumental artists is ai able to like let's use a an example that maybe many of our listeners don't know because they're a little more obscure but like animals as leaders they're they're not obscure to the people that really like that type of music but or something like jazz or something like blues can can AI reproduce that type of music just yet? Or not just yet, but I feel like it, that's the next step, right? So if you take someone's discography and like for example, like you um download a piece of software onto your computer for private use and then you cram in and you say, Hey, listen, like these are all the same artists, you know, right in the style of XYZ using these chords or whatever, I feel like it could happen sooner rather than later. But can AI create a new Stevie Ray Vaughan album? That is or a great Jimi Hendrix album, yeah, right. Like I don't think that's not possible. yet. So, but let's be honest, we're here. witnessing the death of lyrical music. Instrumental music's totally fine. I think we've hit like you know, like I think that like it's kind of funny when you think about like remix culture, mashup culture in the last like ten years or so. But let's say like twelve to thirteen years. Like let's say that's the container of like the mashup culture kind of thing. Like this really is the end game of like a postmodernist approach of like reconstructing songs using samples. Yeah, it's reconstructing. It's it's constructing instead of reconstructing everything. I wonder what Girl Talk thinks about all this. I would be very curious to know what Greg Gillis thinks about that. That's a great question, actually. Greg, I'm going to Google this right now. Hold on, Greg Gillis. 
2012. No, there's no new Greg Gillis information out there. I'd be kind of curious. Maybe I'll tweet at him to see what he has to say about these things because this is definitely on the podcast. We could get, you know, why not? Let's have him on the podcast to talk about this. I'd be curious as heck to like pick his brain about this. Yeah. All right, Angelo, uh, you know, this has been it for a very depressing tech side of things, unless there's any sort of tech strands you want to talk about. I know you saw the Super Mario movie. That was fun. Uh, There was a missed opportunity today, Brian. Do you know what the missed opportunity was? Are we talking about Wordle? Yeah, it was Wordle 666 today. And the word was not devil or beast or Satan. Satan. And I was disappointed. I do like how last week we talked about that. Did you listen to any Iron Maiden in the end? I have not. I have that clip you sent me. Well, it's not actually a whole concert you sent me. I'll have to check. Well, it out just a clip of, of the song "The Clansman." Oh, is it just so. a clip? Okay. Yeah. So it's okay. it's originally like a Blaze Bailey song, but Bruce Dickinson. So Bruce Dickinson left immediately in, in the mid nineties. They did a couple albums with with uh, uh, Blaze Bailey, and then Dickinson came back and he picked that song as like a song from that era that he liked and sang it on. It's great. Okay, it's kind I'll of about to... the movie Braveheart, more or less. Because. I will be honest, I don't think I've ever listened to an Iron Maiden song I'm, uh, other than just in the background or something. Yeah. I kind of like, I wish I had Apple Music so I could make you a, a, like a quick playlist of like seven songs. Well, you could make me a, a quick playlist on Spotify sent to me and then I could just listen to them on Apple Music. Oh, yeah, I could definitely do that. I'll do that after we uh, finish recording then. Angelo, with that being said, let us use this very weird ladder built by AI in order to head on over to the paranormal side of things. Sounds good. When I befriended a group of aliens just three years ago, I was lost. Do you believe in a cool group of down-to-earth aliens who love to hang out, have fun, and have great ideas about what kind of food you can eat? No, that's crazy. Double density. Welcome back to Double Density. As always, we're switching gears from tech to the paranormal. So this week, first things first on the paranormal side, Angela, we have some listener mail from Nick. So I'm thinking Nick is becoming a regular. We should do like a Nick's Corner kind of thing where Nick can send us sure. his thoughts, his feelings, etc. So Nick last week was asking about the bike war. So this week, he's West like, of the Rockies. Yeah. <laughs> Exactly. Hi, Brian and Angelo. Regarding your question about how I knew the Quebec biker war, while we are not Canadians, Melissa and I have a great respect for our neighbors to the north. Putsin makes the occasional appearance on our weekly dinner menu. Uh, we cure our own smoky back bacon and pea meal bacon, and we both love Kids of the Hall and old SCTV uh, episodes. Angela, have you ever watched SCTV? Yeah, of course. I, I The thing that most impresses me out of that paragraph is that they make room for Putsin every week. I agree. There is That's impressive that like where did the, the so the thing with Putsin, gravy's easy to find, fries, dime a dozen. It's the cheese. The curds. Where are you sourcing yeah, the curds? That, Let us know. Like yeah, because that like even just our neighbors uh in Ontario make crap putsin because they can't get the cheese right. Yeah, there's a, a huge I mean, okay, so I will also maybe defend um Using mozzarella in some cases? Like a mozzarella pizza is very <gasps> no, interesting. No, no, Well, so Nick's question has led to the end of Double Density. <laughs> it's been over forever and ever. As an Italian and a Quebecer, I completely disagree with Have this. you ever tried it? Yeah, it's terrible. Like a baked pizza? It's not bad if you're in the middle No, it's wrong. It's just wrong. Because right. it gets too melted. No, sometimes it gets like nice and crispy if you just get... No, okay, whatever. No, sorry, Brian. It's okay. All right, continue with Nick's question, please. No, I wanted to know, do you have a favorite, you know, SCTV episode or trope or something? Because I have one in mind I, that I'm thinking of. I, I can't think of anything that comes to mind. Is it maybe Andrea Martin's telephone lady? Is that SCTV? No, are you thinking of uh, of SNL? Was she on SNL also? No. So, anyway, 
there was something with Andrea Martin on on the CTV that made me laugh that she was a, a an annoying woman. There is a so there's an episode early in the first season where the so SCTV for those not in the know is a fictional um, uh, TV station run by a number of like weirdos and uh, John there Candy, is Rick Moranis, Dave Thomas, Catherine uh, Hara, y- Eugene Levy, I Eugene say? Levy, Andrew Martin. Yeah. Joel Flaherty. So there's an episode early in the first season called like CCP one, where basically like the USSR, like there's a Soviet satellite that like breaks into their feed. And there's a Dave Thomas skit called what fits into Russia, where it's just him uh, with a huge map of the USSR. And he's just fitting different things, including the state of Texas into a map and laughing about how small everything is. And I'll drop that in the show notes. Cause I know that it's on YouTube somewhere, but that is a huge fun thing to go watch. If ever you need a, a quick break. So anyways, Nick continues to say, we even cheer for Jacques Villeneuve in his return to racing. He had a nasty off this morning at the Portimao six hour due to flame. To, to, sorry, I don't know. These, uh, due, to a flame, due to a flaming right front brake. Yeah, so a, 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 a brake is what you use to stop your car. Portimao is, a, is a, a racetrack. I figured. And six hours means it's an endurance race of some kind. Probably a GT3. I, can't, I don't know what actually he's racing right now. I've been following Jacques Villeneuve, but I'm assuming... Correct me if I'm wrong, it might be a GT3 or GT4 type race. Are you a big but fan of those I'm endurance wrong. races at all? Like, are you like a Le Mans I'll, guy? I'll watch it. I watched a really good Le Mans movie on um, on Prime, or was it an actual series? The 2014 or 2015 Le Mans season, I guess you want to call it. Like, the culmination is a little of the race. But it's crazy that drivers have to, like, switch out and take naps that's a really good point uh as a team like well how would you think we would do as a team you and i yeah i'd be too scared to drive that fast those cars are really really fast it makes you think of the cannonball run right where it's the the old a little the, bit the old race through the states there's some uh iffy chicanes there in in at the lamont track too i i i've driven it uh in grand turismo though <laughs> not, I, was, I was all excited that this was like a a holiday that you'd spent no, I've not gone week to, week no, I've not gone to, to drive there, but it, it is fun in Gran Turismo. All right, set yourself up, Angela. Get ready. The next part is uh, Nick's question of the week. So my question this week is about the marked shift in descriptions of aliens from the 1950s to present day. It seems like the Nordic-looking aliens, along with all the other non-gray aliens, have somehow gone out of style in our reality. As Rob Christofferson has observed repeatedly on Our Strange Skies, all current reports describe the same Striburian gray aliens. Is it possible this is due to a similar effect as was observed in the Philip experiment? Now that everyone associates aliens with the cover art of Communion, Angela's favorite book, are we all just creating these aliens ourselves? Philip style. Thanks again, Nick in Colorado. Angelo, the doors are open because I have some thoughts. And like usual, I want to pick your brain first to see how this is going to go. Well, the gray aliens, though, weren't they also reported by Betty and Barney Hill? They were, but like... um the visual of the cover of communion right is the iconic visual i think it's like everything else sleep paralysis used to lead to demons possessing people and then as the alien thing started with yes i agree with nick it's probably that communion cover that started people seeing those things it could also be owls we know owls always (laughs) uh, play a role in this that is correct but i think yeah it's it's part of it because there weren't really reports of aliens back then because people called them demons. But maybe it's because people back then believed in demons and didn't think that there was space creatures coming to Earth. They thought it was demons, right? Whereas we've, I don't know if I want to say outgrown demons as a cultural society, but they, don't, they no longer feature prominently in our concerns. Whereas 
aliens are a possibility. Even people that don't think UFOs are visiting us, the hardest of hardcore skeptic will always say that we're likely not the only ones in this galaxy and definitely not in the universe. I want to flip this all the way around. Oh, no. Yeah. I'm not saying that I necessarily believe this, Angelo, but what if these beings are shapeless and formless and take on the uh, appearance of what we need in any given moment? So, for example, like, let's take the Ezekiel wheel from the Bible, right? What if that was beta testing? <laughs> and all of the Zeppelins and things like that of of the, like, last, like, the, you know, 100 oh. and... Oh, yeah. Exit, you know, and now you know, this is the popular parlance that we've landed on. And so they decided that, like, this is the popular unconscious image that we have of aliens, right? So this is the, the best way forward. Um, to present themselves because this is an easily understood visual language. How's about that? Maybe it's the changelings from Star Trek. <laughs> I mean, it could be, but like I, you know, I once again, I don't necessarily believe this. I think there's a more rational explanation. I do think that like the underlying current of pop culture and the way that we've treated the iconic image of the little gray alien um, and the way it's been perpetuated, um, you know, uh, both visually and in print, right? Like how many jokes, and we talked about this last week, about, you know, how many jokes in like news articles have been made about little, you know, green or gray men walking around right you know and so i feel like it's it's become this like codified language that we now use on each other um and so you know the uh beings from above have decided to uh, go ahead with it well and i think now so little green men have morphed into little gray men and it's almost like when you want to throw shade at the whole thing right yeah, absolutely it's a very like dismissive make fun of it and, and yes exactly to those who know whitley streber's work right um it, it carries a more terrifying sort of um angle to it almost of the same little creatures that were dismissive in pop culture than now if you're in the know you know exactly what these are and i feel like a lot of people um i don't want to use the word indoctrination but are like made aware of this yeah and you know you just brought to mind my favorite scene in nope when he's in the stable and the little gray aliens show up yes and it's just the and case. it fooled me too because i thought oh so this is where this movie's going i didn't think it would be this straightforward and then it flipped it on the head and their head with that but i don't want to spoil it more uh nope actually just came out on crave so uh, it sure did. if you want to rewatch it you can watch it for free on the crave <laughs> if you're in canada if you're in canada and i i, I do oh, think nick is Angela, lying to us the by the way experiment? let's start with that we should just yes, start all well, the way that's well that, that's what i was going to say i think nick is lying to us that he's not canadian because of course this philip experiment is canadian yeah, based in Toronto in the 1970s, um, parapsychology experiment, which, okay, so I kind of have a problem with some of the setup, right? So uh, uh, Dr. Oh, A.R., yes. George Owen uses his wife and friends in order to test out the idea of a seance, right? So he creates a backstory for a supposed spirit and then uh, throws it out there and nothing happens until they set the mood um, in the seance space to make it more, you know, candles and uh, mood lighting and things like that. And suddenly things start happening. Yeah, it's not the best of actual scientific experiments it's more borderline prank i wonder what the discussions were initially like you know husband to wife how are we going to make people believe that a fake ghost is real so uh joel dr joel Witten is overseeing this and so yeah you know uh george owen is like hey listen iris his wife I want you to to take part in this. I'm kind of curious what you think about um, the spirit world, right? And so he gets a bunch of people, including former chairperson of uh, Men's in Canada, Margaret Sparrow, which is interesting. Um, so I know that these are largely a bust. You and I, let's be honest, we mostly talk about these uh, in the ways that they do not necessarily work out. So that's, you know, um, kind of a primer there. But the controls here were just out of whack, too. So you, the conclusions well, being were taken none. aren't also believable necessarily, right? So Not at all, no, unfortunately. But 
I understand where Nick's coming from by pointing to this experiment and how it relates with how people are believing in these aliens. Oh, it's a condition. Because they're, yeah, well, it's kind of, it's placed in front of them. So when they think they've been abducted by an alien, that's what they see. And I, I will always get frustrated by the argument that all these people are seeing the same thing. How could they all see the same thing? They, they, they wouldn't talk to each other. And no, they don't need to talk to each other because it's something that's been implanted in their heads. No pun intended in terms of alien I was alien literally about to say, Angela, just open the door yeah. there. So that one. Yeah, but it's not that type of alien implant. It's an alien implant via television. So <laughs> even as far back as the 70s and 80s when there was no internet or social media, there were still like the four channels people watched back then. I thought you were say there was and, still 4chan. It was kind of interested in your alternate history there. Yeah, 4chan was was the original BBS the 4chan, yeah. Yes. <laughs> uh yeah, I I happen to think that the the I don't know, I like my more whimsical one, my open-ended one about, you know, uh the alien overlords just wanting to please us visually. So they 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 do like a greatest hits of what they look like. That can work too, Brian. It's true. Whatever makes you happy. Angelo, let us talk about our main topic this week. A topic that you and I love talking about, and that is the topic of disclosure. <laughs> Did you hear? 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 It's coming. It's coming. It's on its way. We're almost there. Three, two, one. Disclosure is imminent. Density. Angelo, Stephen Greer is planning a whole new press club event in June, so June 2023, and I sent you an hour-long video um, all about that that he has done an interview for on his own YouTube channel. And Angelo, what, did you, what were your first words when I sent you over the YouTube video? Well, I would like to thank Stephen Greer for the content for this podcast. He just rains content everywhere for us, really, at the end of the day. It's, it's, it's kind of remarkable. Midweek, we saw this. And we realized, hey, there's our paranormal segment for this week. So it's an hour-long video that is kind of like an infomercial for the Press Club event slash UFO symposium that he's got going on in June in Washington, D.C. Um, I do not know the person, the interviewer's name. I watched the intro multiple times to try to figure out who it is. Yeah, and they, they, it showed up. It was like a weird... Th- it was Ian something third moon phase or something. Oh, was it? Because I was I was scanning over and over and I couldn't find. It. I guess I, I yeah yeah I was there. I saw it. I just, I just forgot to to write it down. But uh, it did have quite the uh, infomercial vibe. That's for sure. Well, there were literal ads for the symposium in there. Yeah. that they like the same one that they played over and over. Oh, definitely. Uh, did you read the comments? So one of the things I did as I was listening to, to them talk is going through the comments. And I feel like Stephen Greer has an army of followers that will just comment on his work and make it seem so good. A lot of them have little hearts next to them and an emoji feeling blessed by Dr. Stephen Greer. As I watched the interview, and if anybody wants to click and watch the interview, the only thing I could think of was how much Dr. Stephen Greer now looks like a Goomba from the original Super Mario movie. <laughs> Which I agree with. Uh, you sent me a visual between the two, and I, I absolutely agree with that. I mean, he's really jacked now, but his head is not 
the right size. Maybe it was the camera angle. Yeah, I'm not quite the sure. The whole thing was odd. Yeah, I agree. And, uh, so and this is frustrating all... to watch. Yes. So there's a so, number of, so of notes we've made, yeah. Yeah, let's, let's, like, as I was watching it, I was making notes in here so that Brian could see them as well. And my first impression is no matter what Greer says, it's always like he's trying to pull a fast one on you and scam you in one way or another. Oh, I thought we were going to talk I'm about this at the end. Has, let's talk about it now. No, but, I, but it's, it's the first impression I had is even five minutes into this, I don't feel he's sincere. Maybe he started out as sincerely wanting to figure out I this whole UFO thing. It. If you go listen to his earliest uh, Coast to Coast AM um, appearances, there's a lot of martyrdom in there. Okay, because he's, he's a smart man, so he probably figured I can market this all to hell and make some money from yeah. people that seem gullible to him. Like you. Yeah, for sure. So let's talk about the historic disclosure conference, DC premiere of his newest documentary, The Lost Century, so June 10th and 11th. And then on the 12th, a new press club, press conference. Angela, so the minimum amount of money you have to pay in order to access this two-day conference is 500 bucks per person. For an extra $100, you are invited to the National Press Club event on the Monday. And then for 1500 bucks, you get a VIP seating on the weekend as well as the National Press Club event. And 5000 bucks a person gets you an exclusive dinner with uh, Greer and his staff. Um, also on the registration page, it says a larger donation would be much appreciated with contact info about how to get in touch with Greer's team if they decide to hit up the $5,000 um, tier. And then if you just want to watch it online, it's a uh, hundred bucks. The only silver lining is that the national press club event will be streaming for free as it happens on YouTube. Yeah. Because he couldn't monetize that because it's public. Well, it's not public necessarily. He chooses to, to monetize. Oh, he, okay. I thought because it appears in the press club, it has to be public. No, I mean, it's a room you book almost, right? Oh, okay. It's it's a, it's a ballroom. He called it a ballroom. So let's get a little bit mad about this. So he, during the video, claims that hundreds of millions of people saw the original 2001 press club briefing. Angela, I've never, I've watched, mo- I, no, that's not true. I've watched all available stuff. So I'm, I'm kind of lying there. But have you ever sat through the entire thing? No, no, Most not people have all. not. No, because it's boring. Hundreds of millions of people apparently saw the whole thing, Angela. I think hundreds of millions of people have maybe heard of it. I, yeah, that's and realized generous. It's true. And that realized quite that. quite generous. And when that happened in 2001, speaking in hindsight from the future, there was no disclosure that happened because... Disclosure is just around and, the corner. Well, so what he mentioned is that... And I don't know if he exactly said this. He didn't. He implied it, though. That... This was going to lead to disclosure, so 9-11 happened to prevent so it. So that is one of the more bonker things and that he'd mentioned this time around. Um, and he sort of made the same claim multiple times, but I love how it was reiterated here is that – so the original press club briefing, May 2001, 9-11 happens. Um, he wonders if that was part of a campaign to silence UFO whistleblowers. He mentions uh, you know, the distance of a couple of months, and then he sort of like left it lingering as if it was like the unsaid part was exactly that 9-11 was orchestrated partly just to um, waylay the, the agenda of the UFO whistleblowers. He tends to throw little tidbits like this, right? At one point, he mentions that he's had things happen to him that he, of course, cannot mention on camera, that he'll tell this whoever this dude is. After, uh, no. What what has happened to him off camera? Right, like we don't know. But that's the classic move, right? That's the classic move of like there are things that have happened to me that I can't talk about. Wouldn't it be better to get into public records so that way you have insurance against whatever it is? He's also one of these classic call me doctor type of people, right? Well, no, he was a, like he he don't was an see, ear surgeon. 
Yeah, I know, but he's there's there are people that are do have PhDs and and are medical. Oh, doctors I see. That, you're talking that, more. You know, of he's an... like like Neil deGrasse Tyson doesn't come out saying no, no, call me Doctor deGrasse Tyson. No, you just call me Neil, right? Like that's usually. It just depends. It feels like if somebody needs to give themselves more importance than they really have, they insist on the moniker. Whereas those that, either by being modest or realize whatever, they're, they do what they do. And if people care or they don't care, it doesn't matter. But they don't force the... Uh, the 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 alphabet soup on their names. To well, be that's the that's prepared. the kind of interesting part too, is because you can you continually text me with the words Joe Brandon is not my president, right? Without saying President Joe Brandon, which is kind of a fascinating way of you um, skipping the surname kind of thing. Brian's or the prefix, put, really. Brian's trying to get me set up for some AI. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Now, well, speaking let's of AI, Black, let's talk about black helicopters, bro. Before oh, you we talk want to speak AI. of black? Yeah. Uh, for, okay, so black helicopters. He mentions them a couple of times in the interviews, and he mentioned how they rattle his house after he talks to certain people on the phone or on. Why the would they? Why or, would the helicopters bother? Angela is my question. The funniest thing is, it's a waste of fuel and, and it's a waste of, of men and time. Well, funny enough, Doctor Greer lives next to a black helicopter factory. How strange. Solved. So during one of those segments, he also mentions how he uh, feels like the former president that he does not name probably also got railroaded by this cabal of shadowy people. Well, it wasn't necessarily him. So the host mentioned that Trump was railroaded. And Uh, he agrees with it, though. Yeah. And luckily, they didn't dwell on that. But it, it made me think, oh, okay, so this is what we're looking at now. All right, Angela, you want to talk about AI? Let's talk about AI in this section. We brought it up at the top of the episode. Now we're here. AI it will be here to dominate discourse forever. Well, so the biggest uh, LOL moment I had of this whole interview was when he talks about how the AI we know is about five to 20 generations behind what they have. Not meaning the aliens, meaning the shadow government that controls everything. I don't think it's... It's this is not the 80s and 90s when DARPA was in charge of everything and all the technology was coming from the military and the NSA. I don't th- I don't think they may be ahead of these yeah. tech companies in I, certain regards. We talked regards. about this. I'm you know at least a decade out. From you think that far ahead? Yes. I feel like all the best engineers and minds that work on this stuff are actually being Sucked up by these tech companies and not going to work Let for government this, pension, Who do you think those pensions are anymore. So you think that there are divisions of Microsoft and Apple and Google that are black ops for the government? Yes. So you sound like Stephen Greer now. <laughs> no, but I think there is government money funneled into what works for this kind of thing, or, or you know, um, you know, uh, those sorts of, of initiatives, right? Government led initiatives. Okay. Well, with this being said, then, do you think that Greer's right? About what specifically? Let's talk about that. About that the AI... I don't no, think no, that so the timeline know... of generations back is right at all. I do think okay. that privately held platforms, tools, etc. are further along in the privatized military space. But not 20 public. generations. No, 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 no. Like, I think anywhere from here to a decade out. Depending, okay, maybe then, depending then. on the achievement is what I'm talking about. Depending on where that is. Okay. Now, he also insists that AI will... So because it didn't exist in 2001 when he thought there'd be a false flag alien invasion, now AI, though, will be used to actually create a false flag alien invasion. Isn't that... Wasn't that something we discussed a few weeks ago? 
Oh no, the the Canadian guy, the guy from Quebec, who thought that the uh, the world was going to be uh, the, the, the the aliens or there was going to be a fake alien invasion, right? Oh yeah, the 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 journalist. Yeah, Serge something, right? Mulgray. <laughs> Not Serge. What is yeah. it? You know what I'm talking about, yes, right? Yeah, yeah, we yeah. talked about it on the show the end times. So, yeah, the end times guy thought there was going to be an, a fake alien invasion. So now Greer is saying that AI is going to set up that alien invasion. He also claimed that like uh, there was a way in which um, the government had access or the shadow cabal people had access to a button they could press to create a false flag alien invasion, which was I thought was like a really, really strange. Also, and I like his terms of mastering gravity in 53 and 1954. Yeah, I don't know what he was talking about there. Also, I kind of can't get a beat on how he feels about Lou Elizondo. Like it him. sounds like he doesn't like him, no. right? Like he feels the only like thing he's that he's right of, on. Yeah. He, it's just like one huckster. Well, I was going to say, it's like a different huckster, right? Yeah. Instead of like, you know, like he, he kind of uh, brands all the TTSA stuff, all the Lou Elizondo kind of sphere of people um, as being like, who would win in that fight? Physically Greer. Cause so it, it'd he be would, like, his so skin I, would peel off to reveal a new layer of skin. If he got hit because, <laughs> I think that Greer is like like Greer looks like a like I wouldn't want to fight Greer. He no. ripped me in half. But Elizondo has had military training, so maybe he'd be more nimble. So this is kind of reminds me of the genesis of UFC, right? Where the idea that there's like if a sumo wrestler fought a Muay Thai guy, like what would that look like? This is kind yeah, of the remember, same thing. If one in UFC if one two, UFO there was one dude, guy wearing one boxing glove and one bare hand. Do you remember that? Yeah. But that's what I'm saying is that, like, you know, if one type of UFO dude were to go after another type of UFO dude, yeah. what would that look like? It's true. Street Fighter 2. I would definitely, uh, you know, that's definitely the the next piece that we're missing, right? There's all these, like, you know, Creator Clash 2 just happened, all these, you know, YouTube types fighting each other um, to create a claim, like, you know. Um, if so they why were Street they... Fighter 2 characters, he'd be Zangief and uh, Elizondo would be Guile. I think so. That's interesting. I mean, Guile yeah. the military, sure. Yeah, that's what I'm. That's what that, that's my my thing. I'm working on right. Like that's that's what I'm working with here. I'm only, I'm talking original Street Fighter two characters. Let me pull the list because I gotta I gotta think about this. Okay. Are we sure Stephen Greer is not Sagat? Yeah, Sagat's too Taller. powerful. No, Sagat's too powerful. <laughs> right, he's one of the bosses you have to fight. Yeah, no, I I Greer's not a boss. But I think you this. got it right though. Coming back to the topic at hand, um, after this video game interlude, I do believe. That, you know, this idea here of like... Who... Whoa, your voice still went robot on me and scared the crap out of me. I'm right here. Are you okay? That, was, that really freaked me out. I think they're listening. They're listening and they've now. tapped us. Okay, so that, yeah. that's the black helicopter thing, right? If you're making a phone call, the shadow government, the shadow state is just going to tap your phone lines. They're not going to friggin' fly a black helicopter to scare you. They're just going to make you hear that extra click on the phone. Yeah, they don't, they don't want you to actually know... They're following. That's really bad surveillance techniques. Maybe they're just trying to scare him. Maybe it's Luis Elizondo playing a prank <laughs> on him. Uh, maybe it is. But yeah, so the idea here of pointing the figure about who is the disinformation agent, something that you and I have talked about extensively, and we have um, pointed the figure ourselves and each other about this, especially with you know Robin Sam, um, UFO Book yeah, Club style. Definitely. Um, when you really think about these things, like you're saying, it's just like someone's taking someone else's market share of potential earnings. I feel like they dislike each other as businessmen and has nothing to do with UFOs. Something, though, that Greer said that uh, sort of made me laugh but sort of made me sad for him was that he's more dangerous dead than alive. So he really 
he fears for his life. Yeah, but he said this or before. Or he's too. obviously playing it up, right? He's playing he said it this up before. He, you know, in the nineties with Art Bell, he was saying, "I got all these phone calls, that, all these hangups, all these threatening messages, etc." And he's still here. Yeah. Which also makes me think, like, what if he is also a disinfo agent, right? Like, that could be also a thing, too. They could both be. Big government. They're working together. Big government going after each, uh, themselves, right? Or just pumping the, the pipeline of disinformation both ways with Lou Elizondo and Stephen Greer, right? At the end of UFO Mania, they, uh, they surprise everybody and team up. <laughs> Who's the Vince McMahon character in your eyes? Oh, wow. That... In your mind, that would be the whoever's one running the NSA the strings. Right now, I think, yeah. is, is is like the the Vince McMahon type. Yeah, it's somebody we don't even see. Paul M. Nakasone is running. He's pre- he's pretending to be just a, a regular ring announcer. Yeah, he's the commander of the United States Cyber Command, Angelo. Okay, cyber. Isn't that a, where the wars are going to be, according to uh, the previous president? Previous cyber. president. Yeah, that's not the only way we should refer to him. Previous president. He, yeah. Okay, so Brian, are you going to this? Are you gonna? I'm not paying hundred dollars. Five hundred no. bucks. I'm not spending an entire weekend on the internet. Okay, just to do yeah. this. No, I'm I gonna... mean you're not going to Washington D.C. We talked about you going to Washington D.C. recently. We did. So why don't you go? Oh this yeah, I definitely want to spend uh, well, like with the currency exchange. Like, let's start a GoFundMe, right? It's going to cost me like two thousand bucks to go. You can start a So we're just going to start that up. Also, like one of the things I, I want to talk about, right? Is is and this is said at the very top. They have terabytes of information that they want to give journalists. How is that going terabytes? to work? Also, how terabytes really? How is that going to work? Explain. Walk me through. Here's a hard drive or a thumb drive. Like, no, I'm not putting that on my computer. Okay, here is an instance in the cloud that exists for you to peruse. Okay, great. Where do I start? Where's the like? There's no process-driven information given at all at this stage, right? Because if you want to walk people to a conclusion, you have to do it logically, and that is all in the process. So, how are you informing? The layperson, quote unquote, right? A journalist who probably has an interest in this if they've elected to show up to the press club briefing. How are they going to work through this? He's all talk is what he is. That is correct. So he's just saying that he has terabytes of data when it's not real. He has like a few PDFs somewhere on a hard drive. <laughs> like badly formatted ones too. And there's always this evidence that he's purporting to have that they're going to show us and... Right, like now we're twenty three years, twenty two years after that first press club, club meeting, and we still have nothing, and there won't be anything new. It's just a way for him to make some money. I'm very curious to know because he so in this two day event, it's him and Michael Schiffler are also doing a bunch of like presentations. So I'm kind of curious to know because there's no one else but those two giving information for those two days. It's gonna and there's gonna he's got his followers. Like I said, look at the comments on the YouTube video we're gonna have in the show notes. They're borderline sad. I'm kind of curious to know because he has a Discord server. If these are people from the Discord community just hopping on, definitely. These are these are his like sycophants that love him. So back to you know sending me there, Angela, because you know I'm selfish in that way. Um, I want you to close your eyes and I want you to picture me going up to the border guard and explaining what I'm going to do this weekend. <laughs> <laughs> and then you'd be turned right around. No, sorry, sir, you're gonna have to turn back around and go head back into Canada. And the deep state got me. Yeah. Oh, yeah, they're, they're, and then there's going to be a black helicopter following you all the way home. I mean, that's a common occurrence in this household, so I'm not really quite worried about that. But, Angela, I feel like this is the logical conclusion to what's ever is, is going to happen to you. And I just will be getting turned away from every border and think that the deep state has hit us hard. So, well, we know they're listening because of the sound I heard on my on, the uh, on your yeah. microphone. Yeah, the yeah, double yeah, click. Sure. So, we mentioned this in the text section, Angela, but where can people find us if they want to Double reach out to us? If they want, they want to crowdfund my trip to DC, 
There's a form they can fill out. Yeah. And mention how they would love to help you fund your trip to DC to go see Dr. Greer, meet him in person, shake his hand. He may rip off your arm if he's heard this podcast. That's true. He may use it against me. Like he'll use it as a, a weapon on me. Definitely. I'm he scared. could do it. I'm That'd scared, be his fatality. And of course, we're sending me, not you. Yeah. He could, me? Why would I go? You'd sit in the back. Yeah. So yeah, the contact form over on Double Density Internet. You can also email us at doubledensitypodcast at gmail.com. Same thing on Instagram. And then also, if you want to, double underscore density on the still alive zombified Twitter. So that's How is thing. Twitter these days? Did people kind of forget about Mastodon and just say, ah, screw it, I'll just stay on Twitter? Or is Elon Musk still making a mess out of it? It's still, there's still a mess. There's still a whole thing where like the legacy verified users are losing their check mark and things like that. I just, I don't care. I don't care. I'm just. I saw also he's planning to talk about how NPR and BBC are state media and maybe also doing that with the CBC here in Canada as sponsored state media. Yes, yeah, <laughs> like so he, in- he literally um, has started labeling um, places that also like super petty stuff. I don't know if I mentioned this, but he also like um, took down uh, uh, the New York Times as like legacy verified badge. So he's just a child. That is uh, correct. Wow. And with that being said, Angela, that's a good place to end. Yeah, though. I was gonna say. I was trying to think of something witty, but I have nothing left in the tank. It is Sunday night. It's been a long weekend. Um, you know. With that being said, I'm going to the Shrek rave next week. So next Sunday, I'll definitely have something interesting to talk about. Well, you are wearing green tonight. We ordered our costumes on the internet, so we're gonna get those sometime this week. Yeah, I don't know, Angelo. This has been it for episode. 223 of the Double Density Podcast. Tune in next week as Angela and I decide to go to every single UFO convention and conference available to us in North America for the next year and a half. Our mission... Sounds exhausting. To, t- ...to talk to as many cosplayers as possible. Angela, I will see you there in costume, my friend. I'll be there with my little green men and my little gray men. <laughs>